Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. This is Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you actually get to have that date with that super bottle you've always wanted to. Until you realize that you have a quest to get back to. (laughs) Right. So this week we are talking about what do you do when you get off the plot train? And we all know what the plot train is. That's the reason the GM showed up. He thought he he, <laughs> he or she thought you guys were all going to go do something that had to do something with the the hopefully uh, meticulous planning and uh, and game balancing that had gone into the to the night session. Instead, you say, "Oh, but we need to do X or Y or Z or all three, if, you know, depending on how long your sessions run." So. We want to talk about, you know, when you're not actually playing the game that that you advertised that you were going to be playing, what do you do? Anyways, uh, moving on to uh, uh, a favor for most of my uh, of players that I've ever had in, in, in my games, making money. Oh, yeah. You'd think that, you know, I mean, a lot of games do not revolve around making money. Um, I mean, Bureau 13, uh, Fringeworthy did whenever we were given bonuses for, instead of saying, okay, you work for the organization, you get paid a stipend, you go out there, you're doing it for the, the good of the species or whatever like that. You're all noble ad- adventurers, okay? And instead I said, no, these people need funding. So, you know, the people that are, fun- you know, we'll, we'll go and put a, a profit motive in it. We'll say, look, you go explore a world that's, that's dangerous, then we'll give you a big bonus. You know, could be a million dollars. Oh yeah, uh, I remember the the wealth table on the back of Frontier the D twenty. Yes, a lot of games, you know, they don't have a a payout. You know, you get to the you get to the dragon horde and you collect all the money. You come home and you're rich. I mean, sometimes you literally get nothing for it, other than you know the fact that you did a noble deed. Uh, if you if you're in a campaign that has you're being sent out by a king, probably you know the money is going to come back to the kingdom, not to you. So they're actually very interested in making money so they can buy some of the more exotic things that they might want to get their hands on. Because if you go to the king and you say, look, we're about to go up against this, you know, will-o'-the-wisp and uh, we're going to need, you know, everyone's going to need like a ring of, of uh, mine barrier so that we don't get, um, we don't get charmed by this thing. Oh, the king could say, "Yeah, that makes sense." Okay, we'll have the have the royal um, mages create that for you. Uh, but you know, if you wanted something like I don't know, uh, uh, a um, uh, an item that makes you taller or shorter. Okay, for if you're like a if, and you're like the rogue, 
So this would really help you in your disguising and things like that. That might not be quite so obvious to the king as to how this would be an advantageous item for him to spend, you know, his hard hard collected tax money on with the royal mages because they don't work, you know, because you know most people. Uh, like the royal mages never work for free. I mean, they're never just doing it. You know, only Merlin seemed to do it for you know the good of the kingdom. You know, most mages are like, this is a position. So you know, and I will do things. You know, but some things go beyond that, and you have to pay me extra for it. You know, so uh, they might actually be going out if they're a mage or a cleric themselves. They might be trying to raise money by doing healing spells or uh, divinations, or even in the case of a mage, making magic items that are for sale uh, and making some extra cash that way. So th there's, uh, you know, th we had a whole, we did a whole um, sub thing in one of my games where they, they basically, they uh, came back to town and the person who was supposed to pay them said, well, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, I didn't think you were going to succeed. I was kind of hoping that you'd soften up the bad guys, and then the next group I sent in was actually going to achieve the the goal. So um, I have actually I haven't collected all the money I promised you. So I'll give you half, and then I'll give you the deed to this uh, this inn downtown. You uh, free and clear. Just go ahead and take it and and run it, and you can make lots of money there. I'm sure you can. I I have faith in you. And then they and they. And they go off and they're like, we own a bar. We own like an inn. What are we going to do with this thing? And everyone started saying, hmm. You know, the mage is like envisioning an alchemy lab up in the upper reaches of it. And the, the cleric is like, well, you know, we got to make a shrine somewhere. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the thief is saying, well, you know, it's, a, it's an inn. Let me go and open up a card room as part of the, uh, the, 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 the entertainments you know and such so uh they just each took a piece of the action and and just started making it their own and uh that ran on for about three or four sessions before i finally got them back on the plot train uh and uh they left it to basically run itself for a while and it, it made them a fair amount of money and they were always coming back with new ideas of things they wanted to do and uh it was all good Okay. All right. Making money is always an uh, an enticement to players. Yes, but they you have to make sure that they're doing it on their own. That you're not just giving them. You know. Well, in this case, I did. But I'm just saying is you, you normally when people try to make money, they're trying to you know make money with their abilities. Right, like using a perform skill, or you know, I'm building something for a friend of mine. He's going to pay us big money once I get done, and all that. Yeah. Right. You know, and. Almost any class or whatever can actually do that. I mean, a fighter can can fight for money. I mean, he can basically say, "All right, I'm gonna, you know, I'll I'll take all comers and and uh, do and the real money's in the side bets." So he has has a somebody to be like making all kinds of bets, that, you know, for him or against him. And yeah, that would be the rogue's job. Yeah, or the bar. If the fighter is you know uh, is traveling, he might take a dive, you know, because he was big, beefy you know, orc-type fighter, half-orc fighter, and, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he takes a dive before this pipsqueak, and all of a sudden everyone goes, oh, you know, he has to pay out the money that was being, you know, paid, you know, for the long shot, but yeah. most of the money is going to be on the side of the uh, the obvious favorite. 
Oh, yeah. So, you know, and of course, you got to grab that money and run out of town before, you know, anybody gets wise and rides you out on the rail. So, but, you know, and that, and that gets you back on the plot trick. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, um, have you made any uh, money in any of your games? Oh, let's see. Um, inadvertently, I had, um, in the Sunday game, we had uh, basically at a pub and they were singing and dancing. And, you know, I used, uh, well, this is after they got a couple of drinks in them. And, of course, for drinking rules for D20, I used Blasphemous Cocktails by Steve Wallet, Blitz's buddy. So, you know, they had a couple drinks in them. And Perky Goth and Amber, they have, you know, the Time Lord and the Water Priestess. One can sing and the other can dance. So I said, okay, you guys are looking for a little bit of local coin here. You have a few drinks in you. You have some minuses due to <laughs> said inebriation. Roll. And, of course, they damn near rolled in that 20s on both. I'm like, okay, go to the perform chart. Yeah, you got, you know, six gold and you got 15 silver. Yeah, okay, you have local coin, you know. And it was just something they did just so they had local currency because usually they'll have, like, a bag of small gems. And that, that draws attention. I said, yeah, if you want to get local coin, you're going to need to do something. And they're at a bar, they're reading. I said, let's try this. And okay, you have local coin now. And it was just a little side thing. You know, they were all, as I said, they all, everybody except Pixie's character had a couple drinks in them. So they decided to do that just to have coin of the realm, so to speak. But as far as, that, that usually that's it. The, the, making money thing i usually a lot of my players they tend to live within their means where they're not having to um you know whether oh god i'm poor i don't know if i'm able to eat. I, my players usually they, they keep track of their funds pretty well so i if the, the making the money yeah it's going to be something small like i just described just to, I mean, they have the money, but it's money that may not fit in. They're doing it to get the coin of the realm. And then they go on their way and they're back to whatever they were doing. So, yeah. One of the things that you can spend your time doing, uh, which is not is exactly the same as making money, is you can spend your time crafting. Because, you know, you're you might, just because you're out there, you know, uh, healing people or, you know, hacking computers or uh, infiltrating, you know, the dens of evil overlords. It doesn't mean you don't like, you know, a little bit of, you know, macrame. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you have an artistic side to your character that you really want to get out. Maybe they're a painter. You know, maybe they are a musician. Maybe they need to go down to the local watering hole and, you know, and, and, and entertain the headbangers for a while. Maybe that's part of who they are. And if you never give them a chance to do that, then that's going to, that's a part of the character that's going to be under, not only underrepresented, but the player themselves, since they wanted that as part of their character, is going to be unsatisfied. And, you, you're yeah, gonna, you're gonna end up with silly situations like people doing serenades in the middle of the dungeon. What is it? What, there was some movie where they kept people trying to start singing, you know, and they and they, and they said, "No, this is not a musical." <laughs> I'm reminded of the Holy Grail with 
the son. I just want to say, no, stop it. There'll be no singing in this castle. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, just, you know, it's there's a, that was one of them. And there was some other ones too, where they were just like, you know, the, they, they were breaking the fourth wall to, you know, and, and saying, no, oh, yeah. it. Says, we are not having that. You know, this is a serious drama. and you know and and that could happen i mean uh, the surrogate is when the player starts playing music at the table you know which could be nice because you know it's it it can bring something to the table but if it's basically just the stuff that their character likes and they're using it as as the what the character's listening to all the time that they're doing the other stuff but it's basically breaking the wall for all the other players because you know you uh, it's just kind of how i felt like the whole resolution to mars attacks when uh <laughs> the honky tonk music caused the uh spoilers uh the martians heads to explode oh the slim slim uh Pickens? whitman music slim yeah. whitman yeah yeah and i'm like going really seriously but you know yeah, of course the whole movie was absurd so that makes perfect sense but i'm just saying that um you know, if you do that, you could really break the uh, uh, break the mood. You know, break the the uh, suspension of disbelief. So yeah. it's best to give them a good outlet to do that with. So they 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 really do that because I mean, it's also a little problem where the player themselves, you know, are is into it because you know here you they're playing the big tough barbarian and you're looking over and they're making doilies. So, like, see. That my wife's got has gotten into knitting, so uh, we we're, we're running into that a little bit. Sometimes she brings the knitting to the game session, and uh, you know she's like, we have to make her stop and roll dice to lop off, you know, uh, evil evil uh, ice wolves heads and stuff like that. And then she's you know, oh no no no, I I have that. Many of my female gamers. Our fiber artists, um, Amber, the new one in the Sunday game, knits like a demon. And I mean, I'm watching her as, you know, and she's role-playing too. You know, she'll look up and look at me and just go into town. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm just saluting her. I'm like, ma'am. <laughs> but I've, I've had more than a few what Habibi used to call fiber artists in my life and my day. So I'm used to it if one of my female gamers is there fiddling with something while I'm running a game that that for them that's multitasking in some ways I'm jealous of them in that way but yeah I don't see it as a distraction I I really don't now the music yeah that would throw me off but if they're knitting they they have no problem with okay stop knit one pearl two okay yeah I rolled a 15 and just go right I don't have a problem with that that's I think it's just because I've had that many people who do things like knitting during my gaming that I've accepted that's part of who they are and they're trying to get a project done. Right. But I'm also saying that sometimes they're projecting something their character wants onto themselves and they're living it out so that they're, you know, because the characters aren't getting the opportunity to do it, which, you know, that's because you haven't given them that opportunity as a GM. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I see. All right. But it's just as valid to say, you know, they may just be somebody who likes to knit. So sure, sure. But anyways, um, you know, and and again, the, these a lot of these things actually support one another. So for example, is is that you know if you uh, uh, 
let's say somebody does a, draws a drawing of your character and they've they've added a few things to your character that you don't have and you're like well okay so i need to go get those things so my character matches her portrait so you you have to go out and get yourself that uh, that doublet or you have to you know go get that sword with that you know figurine on it maybe that glowing purple gem you know so the these are you know, uh, either you know, getting doing some crafting might actually be helpful. You know, you need a, a portrait to hang in the guild hall. Well, you know, go get yourself an artist to draw. You know, draw a picture of you. You know, to to paint you. Okay, and of course, you know, some one of the biggest crafting thing is magic research. You know, if your players are into making new spells or making magic items that aren't in the book. Because there's lots of magic items that are not in the book that that year after year my uh, my players are like, can I buy this? No, it's not there. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, but why don't you make one? And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Scooby Doo. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh no no with um before Josie bowed out of the Friday game the. The Bureau's first witch, Samantha Poole, she played that character. And it seems with Josie, whenever she becomes a spellcaster, the role of artificer falls on her. She's accepted it. Fine. So I've still got the character with my Friday night Bible that I have, i.e. all the notes I have in a notebook and all the folders are shoved in it. Of all the things that Sam was making... And it's a list of like 20 magic. <laughs> this is what I'm doing on my off time. Well, let's see. You said six months pass. So Joe's and I are sitting there computing. Okay, it takes 43 days to make this, 60 days to make that. Okay, that's 103 days. That's like three months, one week. All right, we still have three weeks and two months left. Okay, what else can we make? You know, so we've had to compute out how much Josie's character will have made and say, oh, oh, six months passes between the game sessions and so yeah I, this is something magic and magic magic research and magic item yeah this is something i do a lot mainly because of in most of my campaigns i tend to have an artificer somebody wants to be a spellcaster, so i'm like okay you're the one that's gonna end up making the magic items but like in a bureau 13 game it's like you can't always rely on the bureau to have that scroll or that potion. Yes, they have quite the magic item uh, reliquary, but their bureau teams are supposed to be self-sufficient to a point. You're going to need to start learning how to make um, the various items that you need, even if it's only healing potions and a low-level scroll. You're going to need to learn to do this because you can't always rely on the bureau. You guys have to rely on each other. And uh, Amber, the aforementioned water priestess, the knitter. Oh, no, she had brew potion and uh, a ton of spells. Okay, you have uh, a week while this person's doing something. Fine, I make healing potions. We, and of course, you know, I just tweaked it. Well, okay, fine, they're derm patches. You slap it on your skin, you rip off the plastic, and the green gel absorbs into your skin, and it's like drinking a potion. But I said, yeah, okay, we computed the time. Everybody's got the equivalent of nine cure moderates. 
and I'm hearing on Skype and seeing people furiously scribbling this down because now they have all these heels. <laughs> said, hey, you gave her a week. You guys I know would have given her the money for the reagents. She had nothing better to do. She may, she picks up the die and makes the spellcraft check. You've got potions now. <laughs> but yeah, magic research is probably the one side trip that... Um, Status and Happen is the one I like. Magic Item Research is the one that I end up having to do the most in my campaigns. Just because, like you said, the players, they, they ask, can I have this? And if they can't get it or it's not there, then I, okay, we'll work on a way for you to make it. And I think it's kind of also works with tech items because um, Pathfinder now has done more for role-playing with tech in fantasy than probably any other game. And there's all sorts of third-party stuff. So now there's like, okay, I need to be able to make this type of laser rifle, or I need to be able to make this type of vehicle, or mech, or power armor, or, you know, other weapon. So I have to look up the rules, and I tell them, okay, it's going to cost you this much, it's going to take you this long, you need to make these rolls, and you need to have this stuff in order to do it. So I think, yeah, item creation, tech, or magic is probably the one that I do the most in my games because besides having people who want to play um, spellcasters, I tend to have a lot of tech-heavy people in my in my uh, campaigns. In my Friday game, I got a guy who is an IT guy, and this is in the Historical Bureau 13 game. And I tell him, okay, due to how the Bureau is, you can make technology up to this point. Well, this particular machine gun was made in 1965, so yeah, I'd be able to make this. Oh, crap. Fine, i got to look this <laughs> Oh, crap, Matt. i got to look this up and look up the stats for it now. Thankfully, I have a lot of D20 firearm books that you know help out in this. I'm like, holy crap, this is in here. <laughs> it can do this? Oh, I don't know if I want this. It might be too, a little too powerful. You know. So yeah, I've had to deal with the item creation a lot. But again, it's the type of players I have in my, in my game. So, but yeah, I think tech items would probably be involved in being a game in and of itself, even if it's a modern day game or if it's a fantasy game. Let's say you have a steampunk game. You're going to want that guy who makes that new steam engine that burns anthracite coal. Oh, we just found a new vein of anthracite coal, which for those of you who don't know, anthracite coal burns the hottest out of all the, the six, five or six different types of coal that are that are underground. Anthracite's the hottest. It also burns the cleanest. Yeah, that too. And so you're going to have that guy, if you're in a steampunk game, he's going to want to make that new steam engine to add on to a vehicle or power armor or a weapon or whatever. So, yeah. It's going to come up a lot. I, I think that's one of the biggies is this number five, crafting that doesn't directly support the main quest line. Because characters want to build. And I think in a way it is wish fulfillment, item creation, either magic, either magic items because, hey, I'm building a wand of fireballs. Or... I know about weapons in real life, so I want to I make a weapon there's no way I can make in real life. 
It's like uh, Perky God's husband Oz when he made Ziggy the former army major turned weapon designer and now he's stuck in a fantasy land. He became the artificer. But he just applied 21st century science in with his, you know, blossoming magical abilities. And he made some wicked stuff. And I'm having, you know, I'm, I'm checking his math and everything. I'm looking at it and said, yeah, I'll allow this. And he made some, he, he came up with some decent ideas. You know, like metallurgy, you know, making stronger armors and all that. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just, I think for five in the way would be the most visceral thrill along with, you know, number one. Just because it is wish fulfillment. Number one, it's kind of like you're, you're intermediate, uh, not intermediately. You're trying to beat, you know, it's your way of getting back and getting, you got beat up in school. Yeah, but you get to beat up on this guy that beat up on your character. In a way, you kind of feel like you got your revenge back on the bully. Well, the crafting, you get to make cool stuff that you normally couldn't do either because you just can't make it in this world or you don't know how and you're living vicariously through the character. So, yeah. I like this road trip. Yeah. Our <laughs> final six. our final point. <laughs> well, if we got some time, let's find out what the outer planes are really like. Yeah. Check out the Hellfire Club just once. Now is this the Victorian one or the X-Men one? Because I'm assuming the Victorian one. I was gonna say neither of them are, you know, from what I heard, were very nice. So, <laughs> well, I mean, there was, you know, there's these special rooms, and there's the rest of them. I mean, well, let's say you wanted to go back to the 1970s when you know the Playboy uh, Mansion and the bunny parties were really big. Oh yeah, and the Playboy clubs were all over the country. Yeah, right. So, you know, it was a different time, a very different time. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, you know, you might want to, you know get a chance to experience that culture, you know, uh, um, you know, at the same time, you got to be careful because, you know, there were, uh, at the same time that that was going on, uh, you could be arrested and thrown in jail for bringing a playboy into Russia. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and playboy was the most, um, uh, tame, tamest, most respectable of the of the skin rags, so yeah, you can imagine bringing anything else in that would be even worse. So uh, get you bored to get jail time. You know all those flapper parties back in the twenties or uh, speakeasies and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to experience architecture that no longer exists, you know, some people might in a few years might be saying, "Boy, I wish I could go back twenty years and and uh, visit Notre Dame when it was." The, you know, the way it had been for a couple hundred years. Or the World Trade Center. Or the World Trade Center. Go up yeah. on the, the the very tippy top of it, you know. So uh, uh, there was a lot of movies that got canceled as a result of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I remember reading about that. Yeah, it just, I was like, wow, damn. Such a, you know, uh, iconic part of the New York landscape, uh, skyline. So, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so time travel... Um, you know, uh, traveling to, uh, as they say, outer planes, inner planes. Well, even alternate dimensions. I mean, just, you know. 
fringe worthy. There's lots of worlds out there that oh, yeah. really aren't really don't need any help from the fringe worthy. They're just there. They're great places to go visit. You know, as far as you know, you want to go to a world where um, everybody's dressed as a clown. That's somebody's fantasy. And now I'm reminded of the the series Sliders, where they were trapped in the world with the Burger Wars. There you go. And you had them dressed somewhat, and you knew by the costumes that it was McDonald's versus Burger King. Right. But just and you're just looking, it's like, we're stuck here on Burger War World for another three hours. We've got to run. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, time travel, dimension travel. Um, I mean, even it could even be as mundane as just like a road trip, you know, like a road trip, road trip, like, you know, something that you or I could do. Yeah. Uh, and you can revert back to our old episodes about uh, beach parties. Right. I Disney mean, World. Yeah. I mean, you know, there might actually be a, you know, a fantasy or a science fiction version of of, um, of Disney World that uh, you're in the game. You might say, well, gee, uh, we want to, you know want to go to some of these places that uh, they just talk about in the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know what? Or for you Star Trek fans, the next gen, that planet, uh, Ryza. Ryza. Yeah. Always a fan yeah. favorite. Oh, yeah. I like the world where they did Shore Leave, where you know, you show up and whatever you want to do so, you know, with, suddenly appears and you're just swept off into it. I mean, it was clearly designed... To, for people to spend a relatively short period of time doing something. I mean, we could even go as far as uh, cyberspace or holodecks. Uh-huh. You're traveling, but you're not really traveling. I mean, between those two type of mediums, you could sit there and go anywhere, do anything, be anybody. Right. You know, and, and you know, there's um, there's a lot of movies where when in between the, the big missions, you see, the, you know, like the, the uh, you know, one of the, really tough characters they go out and they they basically you know they 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 strip down naked and they 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 survive for a day or two just on their wits alone and what what they can make out of you know whatever the materials are around them you know they take a piece of rock and they turn it into a flint knife and then they turn that you know and and you know build a kiln and and then start making shingles and they build themselves a little house and by the by the time they have to come back you know they got themselves a little cabin in the woods that they've been able to construct so it's uh and there, and and you're, and you look at that. You've been gone a week. How? You know. <laughs> yeah. But if you know exactly what you're doing, then of course yeah. you know it's it's kind of like a speed run. Yeah. Yeah. The cool things you see people doing as little vignettes in movies and stuff. Those are things that only take a day or two to do. You know, they're just quick setups and off you go. You know, if you're a thief, you know maybe you want to steal the uh, the Mona Lisa because doggone it. That's the one everyone's supposed to steal, right? Yeah, right. You might have to run to an alternate world to do it, but, you know, that that might be something that you says, okay, now we've got a couple of days off. I, you know, I've got all my all my kit together, so let's let's just do it. You know, and everyone's like, really? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, okay, all right. Well, you know, you were... You were there for us in the in the mad in the mad wizard's keep, so I, I guess we'll do this for you. 
It's kind of like the one line at the end of an episode of Purse of Interest where they realize they pulled off this mission and Fusco looked and says, yeah, why don't we go steal the crown jewels? <laughs> right. Well, the other show that was kind of like that, um, oh, uh, uh, Leverage, they, they had, oh, yeah. they had yeah. some real short-term capers in there that they did a couple of times where they literally just came in and just did something just for the fun of it, you know, and then they w came back and says, okay, now what's our next mission? You know, it could be a group effort or it could be individual. But, you know, yeah, there's, you know, it, it can be frivolous is what I'm trying to really say. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe it is like, you know, a culmination of your bucket list. You know, you got one more thing off of it that you've always wanted to do. But it could just be that you just want to blow off some steam. You you know, maybe, uh, you know, you, you've been spending, you know, I, I mean, you almost never see this happen, okay? They've been spending two weeks crawling through the sewers, you know, of the Mad Wizard's Keep, right? And they come back out. Does anybody go and spend a week at a spa at that point? Like, let's get... I, I don't even want to know what's under my fingernails. Just get it out. Yeah. <laughs> and and everything's fine until they take you to the mud room and they're like, oh, no, I've already done this. We're done here. Ben here done that, got He's, the T-shirt. Where's, where's the people with the strong fingers and the oil? Yeah, right. <laughs> We're exactly. gonna, we need to spend some more time there. Bring me some wine. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. I've I've had a, a couple couple massages. They were very nice, you know. I mean, it didn't last unfortunately, but you know, it was nice nice afternoon. And uh, I can I can see doing that with another member of the the party. You know, it's you know whether we were romantically involved or not, just as a kind of a you know a thing. Now, why am I reminded of the whole thing from? <laughs> Rush Hour 2, where they're crawling through the sewers, they find out they're in Las Vegas, and then they go to the the Versace shop, and they get all new clothing. <laughs> See? The whole thing with Jeremy Piven. <laughs> See, yeah. that's. I'd forgotten that scene, but it makes perfect sense oh, to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, like you. he likes you very much. And they do that in um, uh, Highlander 2, even though most people don't like that. Oh, God, yeah. The whole the whole Taylor thing. The whole Taylor. It must take like twenty minutes of air of of on screen time as Suh is being <laughs> is being properly outfitted as a proper gentleman. Yeah, just the and he just gives them the pearl earring and snaps of fingers and it's to the eight um, the William Tell Overture. Yeah, with added bagpipe music. Yes, exactly. Oh, oh yeah, I love that scene. Sure, and be, and oh. see because you love that scene, it means it's something that um, somebody might want to do as a little aside, you know, in uh, uh, in the role playing game. Well, that's usually why. That's usually why I'll do the the things about. Okay, you have you're here at the dinner, and that's how it ended up being that the party was drinking. And Perky Goth and Amber's characters end up singing and dancing on the stage. It was just—it was a side thing. It was just something they did to blow off steam. And thankfully, they were just tipsy. It was a minus two, but their scores were still high enough where they—they they still knocked it out of the park. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. See, it's just something. You know, it's downtime. You're not really adventuring. Just relax some. A lot of these side trips, I mean, these various things that we've talked about tonight are because your characters get, and often the players, get so wrapped up in the 
finding out what the threat is, investigating the threat, running to face it, dealing with it, aftermath. You have downtime in between the various missions. Where, okay, oh, the mission's done, and then your next session, oh, it's been two weeks and you guys have done this. It's nice to put these things in the games themselves because it breaks up that monotony of the pattern I just said. And I mean, me, you, those of you who know by now, I, I have a thing for my patterns. But even then, as, as a game master in a game, you want to break these things up. One, to break up that pattern to where the players don't get bored. Two, to fulfill the players' wishes in this art of collaborative storytelling. And three, to, you know, have some fun. Just, you know, because some of the best memories you have. We had the Maze World game where these people, they were in the City of Ruins and they got drunk. And then they said, okay, we're ready to go on the quest. I'm like, wait a minute, you guys all have a minus four to all of your skills and everything because you've been, you know, you, you drain the bar dry. Doesn't matter. We got to go get that briefcase from Tycon's lair. Okay. <laughs> and we still talk about that to this day. And this game was now almost five years ago. It was because they went on a side quest and they decided to go to this tavern and have a few drinks. And then they go and raid the dragon's lair to get the magic briefcase. And they just did it just to, you know, as we would say, S and G <clears throat> and giggles. And some of these little side treks, if you pepper them throughout your game, you'll have stories to remember. You could be three, four, five campaigns down the road, and they'll come up with it. Remember what we did in the maze world? And, and I'm looking at them and go, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> oh, come on, it was fun. My shaman almost got his head eaten off. Yeah, but we got the briefcase. <laughs> I'm just looking at them going, get away from me. <laughs> but yeah, putting these side trips in, and again, as we said earlier on, you have to, the, the, the game master and the players have to talk about these type of things for the, the, the player wish fulfillment. It is just the best way to say blowing off steam because after a while you're going to get bored of the, the pattern of Find the threat, investigate the threat, track it down, kill it, collect the reward next. That gets boring for both game masters and players after a while. So throwing in things like this, whether, you know, if it superficially helps the plot along, like things like uh, number four, number five, or even number three, the, the romantic or sexual trophy hunting. If it superficially helps the plot along, or if it has nothing to do with the plot, just a diversion, it still adds to the breadth and the scope of the fun of the game. And that you know that's what I say at the end of every podcast. There's a reason why we call it gaming. It's for having fun. So, yeah, it, it just these are good things to do in your game. In the short term and in the long term. Because some of them will end up being memories that will last forever. Right. I mean, some are directly supportive. Some are palate cleansers. Yeah. Pa thank you. I was trying to find a different term. A palate cleanser. Thank you, sir. 
something just to, you know, get to break up that pattern a little bit of that, 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 that. Once you have that diversion, that palate cleanser, you're good to go. You're refreshed. It's a respite. You go back in guns blazing and get the, the plot done. The players are happy. The game master's happy. It's a win-win for everybody at the damn table. So, I hope that we've given some good ideas to everybody about, you know, first of all, encouraging you to do this. You know, give your uh, if you're the GM, give your players a chance to to do some of the stuff that they wouldn't normally do that isn't directly on the plot train. Uh, and if your players, you know, feel free to suggest these kinds of things to the GM so that you know no, let them know that you want to do some of this stuff so that he uh, she can work it into her timetable. Uh, because believe me, you know, uh, if it's something that you guys basically are handling pretty much by yourselves with only a little bit of help, the GM could use a break and probably the GM would be like, yeah, fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll pick up with the main thing next week and we'll, we'll let you guys run around, run amok this week. Okay. Go, go for it and just sit back and enjoy it. Like the other players are, are getting to do as each person goes about their own little bit of, of, uh, plot candy. Yeah, so it's okay. You know, you, you, you have our permission to be awesome uh, and even a little bit selfish uh, in uh, pursuing these kinds of, of things. And uh, But just remember to, to get back on the plot train so that the GM actually gets to do what the GM came to do. If you have any me particularly memorable stories about this sort of thing, please uh, post them to Gaming on the Frontier podcast uh, Facebook group, or you can post it to our uh, chats, uh, our, our comment section on the website, uh, tritechsystems.podbean.com, or uh, you know any of the other places that uh, you know that you know that you've learned how to find us. Uh, please continue to leave glowing reviews of this podcast up on your on your various podcatchers, whether it be iTunes or any of the other ones, uh, because we love letting people know that we're here and what we do. Because uh, I don't know if you noticed, Trav, but there aren't as many uh, uh, gaming podcasts as there used to be. We, we love him dearly. Mark Allen Kenny and All Games Considered. He's been, God, 12, 13, 14 years now going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they just and they just did a revamp too. Oh, okay. And we're here halfway now through season ten. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Some of us I have can't... watched our kids grow up while during during the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because both of our both of our children that we have are in their mid twenties now. It's like, wait a minute, my kid was old when this started. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it just. Well, didn't you say that the average lifespan of a podcast? Try to remember you had said that there was like a certain year span. After a while, they just peter out. Well, they very rarely go beyond uh, three hundred episodes, and most of them don't don't make it past a hundred. They just basically get a hundred. They're like, okay, we hit a hundred, yay! And then everybody says something else to do. So that's uh, if you're if you're dropping an episode every week, that's a two year lifespan. Yeah, and for us folks, we're on episode what four sixty something. Yeah, yeah. So, but we've actually done like five hundred and forty episodes. It's just the ones with numbers were at the four sixty ish mark. Right. 
you know, we, we've because we've also included things like actual play that we didn't actually, you know, we just threw onto our feed. We didn't actually, you know, uh, put a, a thing around it. Uh, we've also had some guest appearances of podcasts onto our, our feed as well that we thought were really important. But I mean, uh, there's some people that, you know, I, I'm not saying that two years of done is a bad thing if you're really good. The Brilliant Gameologists ran for two years and... Uh, I'm now sorry I didn't keep their episodes because they really were brilliant, but they're gone now. It's hard; really, you can't find them anymore. And um, so, and I'm sure that's also going to be true for a lot of people out there that that say, "Where's all these great episodes that we heard about?" And they're gone into the the uh, podverse. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but thanks everybody for your continued support, and we will have more for you next week. But until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.